Victory City Church, how are you guys doing this morning? Good? I was just standing over there uh, in that corner, worshiping, not by singing, but by watching you guys worship. And I just got to tell you, it made my heart so happy watching other believers in Jesus Christ coming together around the best news on planet earth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and together lifting up the name, the Bible says that is above every name, that at that name, every knee someday is gonna bow, every tongue is gonna confess that Jesus Christ truly is Lord to the glory of God our Father. I love to worship by myself in my car at home, but there's nothing like coming together with a group of people that just sincerely love Jesus and wanna lift up his name. And when we start doing that together, my goodness, I'm like a kid in a candy shop right now. Like, I am so excited to get to preach to you guys the word of God, but I would be crazy if I, before I did that, didn't first of all. Can we do this? Can you thank the worship team? Come on. Singing me happy today, guys. They make it look easy, you're right, and you're like, well, they're just good musicians. Do you understand what hard work it is when you guys aren't here yet that they put in so that they can come up here and make it distraction-free and lead us into worship? Like, they work incredibly hard, so I just honor you guys. Also, I gotta say, yeah, for sure. And I gotta say this, I just love your pastors. Love them. Pastor Eric and I, had dinner last night and we, to the glory of God, overate and it was amazing and we're paying for it today and it was not health food at all. It, well, it was good for our soul, horrible for our bodies, but it was a glorious time. And I gotta tell you guys, your pastor and, and his wife, Natalie, are the real deal. You just gotta know that. We, we've lived in uh, Pflugerville now for uh, five months, coming from Denver, Colorado, and the generosity of spirit that you guys have shown our family has been so kind. This is a generous church. And here's the good news about that. Very few things open the portals of heaven like generosity. I found very few things that capture heaven's attention like generous human beings in the midst of all the sin and in the midst of all the difficulties when we're generous. And you guys are a few weeks away from this dream again. Uh, campaign in this giving, faith giving season. And can I tell you as a pastor for the last 20 some years, my wife and I have been a part of so many of these faith giving moments. And I'd love to tell you, it just gets easier and easier and easier. Um, and most years it doesn't, it's faith. But every time we have done that and been a part of it and contributed and went to the Lord and asked what is our part to play in the local church and then we by faith have written that check and put that money in the offering bucket or online however you guys are going to do it i got to i'm just telling you this from the bottom of my heart god has 100% of the time affirmed it with his blessing and his kindness and his good. i don't know how he'll bless you that's up to him not me it's none of my business he can do whatever he wants however he wants whenever he wants but i promise you this if you guys will go home yet again today and discuss with each other as a family and parents let me get encouraged we started doing this years ago and it was such a good thing bring your kids into the conversation about about what you want to give they they deserve to know that their mom and dad are about sacrifice they deserve to see at a young age that this is what we the body of Christ do we're different than the rest of the world we do things when they don't make sense on paper we do things that stretch us we do things that uh, require nothing less than faith and I'm telling you parents you have an incredible opportunity to bring them into that and say, hey kids, what do you think we should do? What's this place mean to you? 
How can we give out of the abundance of our heart as a family? Do it together. If you're single, give and say, Jesus, I want a husband in your name. Here you go. Like, no, I'm just kidding. It doesn't work that way. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if it worked that way? Right? But I just wanted to challenge you guys before I uh, went into the message today. And I got to tell you, I'm so excited to preach the Word of God. What a privilege. I woke up this morning and just remembered what a privilege it is to stand on a stage with other human beings and talk about an unseen God. Whew. <laughs> Pray for me, would you? I, I'm, as, I'm as human as you. I bleed as red as you. And yet I'm going to get up here with all of my brokenness and my, my, my bias that I bring to the word of God, my incomplete understanding of it. And I am by God's grace going to speak prophetically over your lives today. And I just believe the Holy Spirit and Jesus are going to do something amazing. You guys believe that as well? Why not? We're here. So let's do this. Uh, let's, let's just pray. Let's just give this time over to the Holy Spirit and ask that he would be the Lord of this moment. Jesus, we love you so much, and we are here solely because of you. We're breathing right now, the Word of God tells us, because of you, and we give you praise for the breath of life. God, I thank you for your word. I ask in these next few minutes that your Holy Spirit would energize my thoughts, my mind, my heart, God, that I would just be a middleman, that I wouldn't get in the way of what you want to do, but I would work in tandem with you. Holy Spirit, we honor you and we revere you. Don't want to be here if you're not leading this service. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you be here in such a sweet way? Jesus, this is all for your name. And everybody said... Amen. So there's a, there's a quote from a pastor who's pretty well known down in Southern California. He's uh, been there and done that. His name's Rick Warren. And several years ago, as a younger pastor and Christian, really, I read this quote, and I'm going to be honest with you, and you'll see why here in a minute. I didn't like this quote for several years. In fact, the first time I read it, I just thought, nope, don't like it. Don't want to hear it. Don't even know if it's true. Don't even like it. But I knew there was a lot of credibility behind this pastor, a lot of respect. And so I couldn't shake it. And, and I'm going to start today as we're in this uh, God dream series where we're walking through this Joseph narrative, which is so powerful. I'm going to start with this quote and I'm going to build from it and try and make as much sense of it as possible from the Joseph story. He says this, sweet wine comes from what? <laughs> wah, 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 right? Like that's what you came to church. Sweet wine, he says, comes from crushed grapes. And then he goes on to say this, if you want God's anointing on your life, expect to be crushed. Yeah, amen, but God help us, right? Like who wants to be crushed? I don't, but I want sweet wine, you know what I'm saying? Like I wish that wasn't a part of the process. I wish that wasn't a part of the God story. I wish that wasn't an an inevitable part of this sin-stained, broken, fallen world. But in this life, there is going to be some crushing. And here's what I found over the years and why with deep pastoral conviction, I start with this quote before we get into the Joseph narrative is because as much as I don't always like to hear that, I just have learned that it's true. Not only have I learned that it's true, this is the part that's good news. This is the part that gets me excited. I've learned that the crushing isn't an indictment on your life at all. It is a classroom. It's not an indictment, it's an invitation from the creator of the universe that he is up to something divine and he is up to something sovereign. And while he did not himself cause that crushing, that's the sin of mankind to each other, he is in the middle of it doing some of his most profoundly important and divine work. So we're gonna go to the Joseph narrative and I think we're in what, Eric, week 37 of this series? Yeah, and, and I joke, I think we're in week five or six, but I told him last night, I am so glad 
that you chose to go through this series for a long time. Because this, we could, I promise you, we could be in this narrative in the scriptures, the Joseph story. We could be in it for 40 weeks as a church and still not plumb all the depths of the God wisdom that is found in this story. It is just incredible, this story teaching us about the kingdom of God, uh, showing us what Jesus is like through this broken yet awesome man named Joseph. And so uh, I want to do this. I want to talk to you about one fundamental ingredient to the God dream this week. It's essential. Without it, the God dream does not happen. I want to talk to you guys this week about the favor of God. And so I want to do this. I want to go back to the the very beginning of the story. And I know we've already been there in the weeks before, but I want to start where the story starts in Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If not, don't worry. It's going to come up on the screens. And it says this, Jacob, who's Joseph's dad, lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, let's hold on to that, right? Just a young teenage kid, 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father, this is weird to me, a bad report about them. The moms are like, thanks a lot, kid, appreciate that. Now Israel, listen to this, you're about to see some favor. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And so he gave them this ancient Israeli sign of favor. Since we're talking about the favor to God, he gave them this ornate robe, or as we know it in modern terms, he gave them a robe of many colors. This was like saying, hey, you're going to stand out from the rest of them, right? And he had 11 other brothers. When his brothers saw, and I totally get this, when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and couldn't speak a kind word to him. And then here we go. This is where the series is birthed out of Joseph had a what? Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And as I read this, Joseph's quote, when he tells him the dream, I want you to hear the youthful naivety in it the youthful zeal. Do you guys remember back to when you, and some of you, you are that age, but I was just reflecting back on when I was 17 this week and how young and how dumb I was, right? Like my brain still, you realize 17 year olds, boys especially, their brains are not even close to fully formed yet. So that's like my, I have a 15 year old son, amazing heart, just does dumb stuff. Like, right? (laughs) It's just what, he's not a bad kid, he's a 15 year old boy. His brain's still forming. And and I love that though, in that youthful zeal, Joseph comes out and, and you can hear that he has a good heart and we see from the rest of the story of Joseph, we know he has a good heart when he says this, but he probably should have kept this dream to himself. You realize when you're walking in a God dream, there's a whole bunch of people that don't deserve to hear about it. You gotta be real careful with who you share your passions and your desires with, right? Because not everybody's gonna be thrilled about it. Not everybody's gonna be happy about it. Not everybody is worthy of or to be trusted with the dream that God's put on your heart, right? But Joseph's too young and dumb to know that, so he just says this. He goes, guys, brothers, come here. Listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. (laughs) Well, your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. How awesome is that, right? And his brothers are like, get over here right now, you little, you know, like, right? That's what, that's what I think. And his brothers said to him, oh, do you intend to reign over us? You actually going to rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. And what he said, except unlike in our modern context, the big brothers didn't just punch him around or put him in a headlock and give him a, a, a big brother noogie, right? We, we know the story. We've been in this series for a while. What happens next? They conspire at first to kill him. To which I say, 
Joseph, you who are highly favored, let the crushing begin, right? Because if you want the anointing of God on your life, and come on, we all do. The anointing is just an ancient term if you're new to church for the spirit and the favor of God resting on you and in you and through you. Who doesn't want that? Why wouldn't we want that? I, I, you know, covet is usually used in a negative term, but if there is one thing I covet in this lifetime, it is the anointing and the favor of God. I relentlessly want to know about it. I want to learn about it. I want to hear about it. I want to know what it is and what it isn't. And that's what we're going to do today is talk about the anointing and the favor of God. But if you want the anointing of God, like Joseph, expect to be crushed. He gets thrown into a pit, right? We know the story. One of his more sensible brothers talks the brothers out of killing him, says we don't want that blood on our hands, right? And so they, they beat him up real bad and they throw him into a pit left for dead. But then these, uh, the enemies of the Hebrews, the, some Egyptians were coming through town and they got a good idea. Hey, let's at least make some money off our brother, right? And so they sell him into Egyptian slavery. Like there's not a worse place for a Hebrew to go than where? Egypt to be a slave. They do not have a good relationship. We know that from earlier in Genesis, right? We know that. And he gets sold into Egyptian slavery, right? And he's just at this point crushed, but he's the kid with the coat of many colors. He's the one who his dad favors. He's the one who's walked. He's the one with the God. God, I thought people were going to be bowing down to me. I didn't think I was going to be getting brutally beat up by the people that are supposed to love me and thrown into a pit. Where's that favor we talked about? Where's that coat of many colors? Because I'm not wearing it anymore. God, you know what I'm saying? So he gets thrown into this pit and then into Egyptian slavery. And we pick back up in verse 39. Chapter one, it says, or verse one, it says this. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ish, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now, you ready for this? Favor. The Lord was with Joseph. That's the favor of God. So that he what? In a horrible situation, catch this, in a horrible situation, he still prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. Now, when the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found, here's the word, favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to everything into his care that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of who? Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potter had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not have to concern himself with anything except the food he ate, to which I say, oh, there's that sweet wine. Okay, I didn't like that pit thing. I didn't like that crushing thing. I didn't like that horrible betrayal by the people who were supposed to love me more than anybody on planet Earth. I definitely didn't like leaving my homeland to go to my enemy's land to become an Egyptian slave, right? But look what's happened now. Look how God, good God is, right? Now I'm running the show in this house. Barely been here for very long, but I got the favor of God. I may not be wearing the coat anymore, but the favor of God is on me. Thank you, Lord, for that sweet wine. And I picture him thinking, maybe, maybe it wasn't my brothers who are going to bow down to me because they're long gone. Maybe, maybe it's, it's these guys that are going to bow down to me. And he's starting to get some of that God dream energy back. He's starting to see some prosperity because as much as crushing is a divine rhythm of, of God's story for us, so is the prosperity seasons. Can I just, let's, let's just stop there and make a balancing statement. The, the seasons of prosperity like Joseph's having right here are just as holy and divine as the season of crushing. They are just as necessary to the God dream in the process 
They are working different things from different angles in God's sovereign plan for you. But don't apologize for the seasons of prosperity because not all of you come in here today or watching online and you're being crushed right now. Some of you are being incredibly favored and blessed right now. You understand that? Don't apologize for it. And let me say this to those of you in that season, and I celebrate it with you. Don't go looking for trouble because I'm up here making a case for crushing. You don't have to do that. Please don't do that. We're not Christian masochists. We're not nobly looking for pain for the glory of Jesus. Jesus just simply said this, in this world, you will have trouble. I love that he was so honest with us, right? So don't, 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 let it, don't let the crushing of this world and its sinfulness, don't let that shock you because I'm greater than that. Greater is gonna be in me and Joseph than he that is in this world. So when you're being crushed, hold on. But when you're being blessed and prospering, rest. Enjoy it. Worship. Throw your hands in the air and give glory to God because it's just a rhythm of his grace. And in that rhythm, at some point, the key's going to change with the song. The note's going to change with the song. It's going to drop from high to low and there's going to be some, some more crushing. So, 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 so literally everything we just read is going amazing for Joseph again. He's got that steam. Can I just read to you the very next verse? <laughs> Listen to this. When everything's going great, now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. You, don't you hate him even more? Like, I can see why his brothers hate him. He's well-built and he's handsome. And after a while, his master's wife, uh-oh, took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was horrible. Some of you, sorry, sorry. Some of you like, never again she had to ever do that in church. Like, ah, I'm sorry. She's a baritone. I don't know what, it's, it's just what I had. It's my interpretation. Think about that. She says, come to bed with me. Joseph is getting real housewifed of Cairo right here. Like it's not, this is a reality show gone bad, right? This is not good. This is Potiphar's wife. This is one thing for all Joseph was given. This is one thing. That's not, and, and the Bible would go on to say this, that he, she would continually every day keep making advances at, at him. And here's what's so cool about Joseph in a really difficult situation. He just holds on to his integrity. At one point, she finally gets frustrated. She's probably, you know, annoyed at this point. Like, how dare you turn me down? And she literally starts to physically come on to him. And she grabs his garment physically for some things to happen. And I love this. The Bible says that Joseph literally ripped off the garment she was holding onto and ran out of the house. Integrity, right? I wrote in my Bible years ago when I saw that. I just wrote awesome and I wrote goals. Like, I want to be that kind of man for my wife, right? but I'm still a man with eyes and there's, you know, but I'm like, no, I want to be that kind of person with integrity. He was blessed by God. He was given such a great thing in a horrible situation and he's honoring God by being obedient. So he throws off the garment and he sprints out of the house and we know what happens next, right? Potiphar's wife in all her shame in that moment, she lies about Joseph and when Potiphar gets home, she holds up the garment and you see this guy, he tried to attack me and he wanted to sleep with me and he ran out of the house and, and I kept his garment and Potiphar's just furious. And just days before this, what? He's running the show. Things couldn't be going better, but guess what? Let the crushing begin, because if you want God's anointing on your life, expect to be crushed, because sweet wine comes from what? Crushed grapes. And God's not done with Joseph. God's got more for him to walk through. So uh, Joseph, uh, Potiphar, as you can imagine, does what? He throws him right into prison. So we've gone from a pit to a, to, to a really cool promotion and now we're back to a prison. Do you see the rhythm of life here? This shouldn't shock us. This is, just, this is just what life does in some way to every single one of us. So now, here's where we pick up uh, chapter 39, verse 19. When his master, 
Potiphar heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, and he burned with anger. What husband wouldn't, right? Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was in the prison, you ready for this again? Horrible situation. Guess what? The Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness, and he granted him what? Favor in the, in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord, here it is again, was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And I was reading the story again this week preparing, and it just gives a quick side note that Joseph was 30 when he was thrown into prison. Remember how old he was when he got that dream? 17. Let's do some quick math. I'm not the smartest guy, but I believe that's 13 years, right? And can we just stop there and talk about what God's favor is and what God's favor isn't? Almost, not always. God, God can do whatever he wants, and there's anomalies to everything in life. It's, it's up to him. But here's what I've learned about the favor of God. The favor of God will almost always slow the God dream down, not speed it up. Because God is way more interested in building you as the person than the dream coming to fruition. It's kind of like Jesus going, hey, if, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Like his plan's going to go forward sovereignly with or without us. So he's never trying to crush us under the weight of the dream or the desires or the aspirations he's put underneath us. You understand that? God can accomplish his purpose through Joseph without destroying Joseph in the prophet. Can, can you imagine being 17 and all of your brothers and family members bowing down to you while your brain's still forming? Do you understand the arrogance and the pride that would well up in the heart of Joseph? Do you understand how much he would destroy and misappropriate the purpose of God for them bowing down to him at 17 if that just happened because the night before God gave him that dream? No, we're 13 in, years in and the crushing still hasn't ended. And the blessing still hasn't ended. And the favor still hasn't ended. Why? God's making Joseph into the person that's worthy to be bowed down to. God's making him into the person that when he's bowed down to, it will be about service and not people being subservient to him. It will be about humility and provision that he's giving to them. It won't be about retribution for throwing him into a pit. There's something that at the end of this story that is so amazing when they finally do bow down to him. But in the, in, in the meantime, Jesus is, or God is up there probably going, you know what, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna make this happen a lot longer than Joseph would want it to because I need Joseph to be the person that's worthy to be bowed down to in my name for my glory. And the same, uh, the same is for us in our God dreams, in our God life, in our God purpose. The same principles apply Eric said it so profoundly a couple weeks ago. It was such a great message, but it, it bears repeating. Like, like we're, we were born into in America, in this generation, a microwave society, right? We're capitalists. Time is what? Money. So, 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 so you make things more streamlined and you get them out there faster, there's more money to be made, right? We have, whether you meant to or not, we have been subconsciously born into that cultural capitalistic mindset and not everything about capitalism is bad. A bunch of it's beautiful, but one of the shadow sides of capitalism is the timetable with capitalism is fundamentally opposed to the timetable with our creator. So let the games begin, right? And this is where so many God dreams get thwarted and we start to question the goodness and the favor of God is when his time, see, we're, we're, we're wanting God to microwave the dream, but, but God's a crockpot God, right? He doesn't do microwaves. Doesn't taste as good. 
Joseph's story doesn't taste the way it's supposed to taste if he's getting bowed down to within years or months after that dream's happened. We're 13 in, years in, and we still got a long ways to go before that moment would ever take place, right? 30 years old. God's timetable is not our time. In fact, when Isaiah wrote that, God's ways are not our ways. Pastors love to preach that and quote it. I do too. God's ways are not always way. You know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. I wish he would have put a comma there and said, in his timetable is not our timetable. So Joseph is in prison, and we know what happens. You've probably read the story throughout the weeks of this series, but at some point, the king gets mad at a couple of his cab cabinet members, and he makes a point by throwing them into prison for a weekend. And while they're there, both the cabinet members, there was the head chef and there was the, the cup bearer, both important things back then, and uh, they both had the same dream, and there was no one in the prison to interpret it, except this kid with the favor of God on his life. The Bible literally says the Spirit of God was on him, and he interpreted the dream, and the dream was spot on. He said to the chef, you're going to get killed by Pharaoh when you get out of here, and to the cup bearer, he's going to let you live, and that's exactly what happened. And then the Bible tells us something, speaking of timetables, it was not two more years, so we got two more years in prison, unjustly in prison. You know what Joseph got thrown into prison for? Having integrity. Can we talk about what the favor of God is and what the favor of God isn't? You ever gotten in a, a heaping mess for holding on to your integrity? Can I just tell you some really good news? It stinks at the time. And it does not make sense at the time, and it is so profoundly hurtful at the time when you're being made to pay for holding on to your integrity, but that is when God is doing some of his finest crockpot cooking. That is when God is up to some of his most beautiful and deep work in you that eventually is going to be done through you. When full, that's when full life really starts to happen. So some of you who are in that situation right now, could you just hold on, please? Could you just not give up? I pray for you if that's you. Maybe it's one of you watching online. Maybe it's a few of you in here, but you're being made to pay right now. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's with friends for holding on to your integrity. Can I tell you there is something so incredibly beautiful that has to do with your purpose that's gonna come out of that? I say that in the name of Jesus and with the authority of Jesus. We see this template all throughout scripture. This isn't my opinion. This is a reoccurring theme in the template and in the narrative of scripture. So eventually, two years later into Joseph being in prison, Pharaoh has a dream. And it's a dream that for seven years, Joseph would eventually interpret for seven years, there's going to be a, a, an abundance of harvest in Egypt. And then for seven years after that, the globe's going to see a famine like it's never seen before. And the king gets his magicians and he gets his fortune tellers to come and, and, and interpret the dream and none of them can. And then all of a sudden that cupbearer two years later goes, oh, there was this Hebrew slave in prison. And, and me and the, the chef you killed, by the way, thanks for keeping me alive, appreciate that, it, right? Like, good looking out, sir. He interpreted our dream, no one else could, and he told us spot on exactly what would happen, and so the king calls Joseph, right, to come there, and, and, and he tells him, and Joseph says, oh, we're gonna have seven years of, 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 of prosperity, and we're gonna have seven years of famine, and he implored the king, hey, in those seven years of prosperity, don't, don't, don't spend it on riotous living, save it up put it in the storehouses because at some point we're going to have an opportunity to be well fed and also feed other people around the globe when this unprecedented famine comes. This is the dream and Pharaoh bought it and he liked this kid. And so here we go again, right? We're about to get some sweet wine from all those crushed grapes in prison. Now all of a sudden Pharaoh literally says this. He says, listen, I am the most powerful man on earth by title, but you are now officially my number two in charge. Let's put this in American terms. You're my vice president and you have full executive powers. 
Do with them what you will. Other than title, you're as important as me. (laughs) How crazy is God's favor? An arch enemy of the Egyptian people, a Hebrew who's a slave and was just in prison a minute ago, is now the vice president of the world. Right? And I know that's not how all our God dreams are going to pan out. So don't, you don't have to, like, God, God's using this as a major part of the meta narrative of the whole global story of his kingdom. Okay? And I don't think any of us want the problems that come with Joseph's lives either. So it's where you go, well, God, why don't you do crazy stuff like that? Are you sure you want it? Because there will be crushing to the degree there is using. Because let me, let, me, let me just remind us, guys, we, we also grew up in a generation of, of, of intense prosperity theology, and I am 100% about prosperity in whatever holy way God wants to give it to us. He wants to prosper us. The Bible makes that incredibly clear, but we've gotten a little off track in the last several decades with this whole idea of prosperity and what it is and what it isn't. Can I just remind us, the favor of God is not to spoil you. It is to use you for his glory. God reserves the right to spoil you when he wants. You ever have those moments? I've had several of those where you're just beyond humbled for how good God has been to you in this season. God reserves like any good parent to every now and go, my, my kid needs one right now. My, my kid needs an attaboy right now, right? And you just, just dumps a blessing that's too good to contain. We've all had that and praise God for that and don't apologize for that. But there's also gonna be some crushing that God also reserves the right to not put on you. God doesn't put on the crushing. Sin does that in us. But he sovereignly allows it in his kindness, and he turns it around, and he uses it in such profound ways. And I'm saying all of this to say, do not, do not, Victory City, give up if you're going through it right now. I know statistically a bunch of this room's being crushed right now. As many are being just prospered and blessed right now. Some of you are, are in a prison right now or a pit, whatever that means for you. Some of you are getting promoted right now like Joseph got promoted. All of it is for the glory of God. That's why the Bible says when people are doing well, we cheer them on. We celebrate with them. We worship and praise God with them. But when people are going through it, we bear the burdens with them. And I just have a, can I say this? I have a righteous anger today against the enemy of our souls who Jesus said wants to kill you, steal you, and destroy you. He wants to take from you the dreams and the passions and the purpose that God has put on your heart. He he loves doing that. And you know how he does it? He just gets us to quit. There is something so holy about good old-fashioned perseverance, right? And I'm just praying that in these next few minutes, as I do my best to try and wrap this thing up, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would just stir up a whole new wave of perseverance in this church. Because I get, I get righteously defensive and angry for those of you who are being crushed right now, and the enemy's trying to accuse this season in your life, and he's trying to lie to you about it when God's up to some of his finest work. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the New Testament. Jesus' brother James, at this point when he writes this letter, he's the lead pastor at the church in Jerusalem. And and this is such an important thing he's about to say. He says it in verse 2, right out of the chutes. And he says this, he says, listen, Victory City, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kind, and if, if it stopped there, I'd be like, nope, that's weird. You're asking me to be disingenuous, God. Do you ever feel that when you read that? You want me to, so I gotta fake it till I make it? God's not into that, no. There's nothing, luckily James doesn't stop there. He says, consider it pure joy, Victory City, whenever you face trials of many kinds, here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. 
I'm still not loving that verse, but it gets better right now. Here's why perseverance is so beautiful. Perseverance must finish its work. So why? That you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There is a maturity. Please hear me when I say this. There is a maturity and a depth to you that only comes through the crushing. It does not come through the prosperity. Both are equally important. I want to be serious about that but they have different roles in the God plan for your life. And in the God dream, nothing will mature you and bring depth to you than when you've gone through a season of crushing. In fact, I don't want, I don't, as I get older, I wanna be around less and less people who just seem like they haven't been crushed at all in life. I don't trust them. <laughs> no offense, I, I usually don't even believe them too when they tell me their story. Cause it's just an inevitable part of this life. But you ever been around somebody that has a testimony? You ever been around somebody that's been through some hell and some high water and they're still going for the glory of Jesus and they're still passionate about their life and they're still willing to get up every day and walk through some things and fight and rise up by the grace of God and continue to move forward for the glory of God? I wanna be around those type people. Those are the type of people that move the God dreams forward. Those are the type of people you want to share your dreams with because they have been through enough that when you tell them, there is a humility to it. There is a kindness to it, right? There is some integrity around it because they have been there and they have done that. There is empathy that they bring to the table because they know what it's like to sit under the weight of this world and this sin in this world crushing you sometimes in your life. And they're there to, to be poster children to you to say, do not give up in this fight. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. And in the end, you will go to your deathbed and you will have a big, no matter what you're dying from, you will have a smile on your face because you fought the good fight and you finished the race and you kept the faith to the glory of Jesus Christ. Some of you, again, you came to church and you need to hear that. I'm here for you today. Like I've been praying for you all week just relentlessly, like, God, please bring a bunch of people that are crushed right now under the weight of this world. Please bring them through the doors today because some of them want to quit. Some of you watching online right now, you want to quit. This message that you tuned into might be a last-ditch effort. Some of you showed up with a last-ditch effort and wanting to quit, and I just say, hold on. I think of the great Mother Mary, right? The mom of Jesus. Could, could there be a better job than that? Joseph's got a cool job, Right? Let's be honest, he's second most powerful man on planet earth at this point. Talk about some sweet wine, talk about some favor, but there's a cooler job than that in scripture. Mother of Jesus. <laughs> there's, by the time Jesus comes back, there's gonna be billions of women who have walked the face of the earth. One got picked to be the mother of Jesus. And it's some unsuspecting, just like Joseph. Look what happens when she gets the dream. She's a teenager, her brain's still forming. Why does God do that? I don't have answers for you, or I'd give him. It would be a point right now. I don't have answers for you why he gives it to him when, when the process is going to play out over such a long period of time. But when the angel comes, Gabriel, to talk to, to, to Mary, you guys know, you can read about it early on in the Gospels. He says very little to her, but he tells her the dream, the God dream. You know what he says? You who are highly favored, you will give birth to a son, and his name shall be Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. Right? And then you know what he says? Don't be afraid, gotta go, bye. <laughs> I promise, I promise Mary and Gabriel has some words when she finally died and got to heaven. <laughs> That's all you can tell me? I'm gonna give birth to, because on the front end, especially as a teenager, if I'm Mary, I got a little bit of holy swagger, right? Or I should say unholy swagger. Like I'm gonna be the mother, I got picked to be the mother of, 
of Jesus, this Messiah that me and my people have been praying for for, for, for 2,000 years straight now and looking for? I get to be there. It's a virgin. But you know what Gabriel forgot to tell her? Oh, um, when you go home and tell Joseph what's just happened, it's going to almost cost you your marriage. Yeah. Have fun. When you go and try and tell him, hey, I'm pregnant, but it's a, I'm a virgin, I swear. It's, see how that goes for you, Mary. You know what's going to happen the minute, the minute this dream gets out here in a second? You who are highly favored, you're going to get crushed by your husband, your future husband. And, and by the way, um, when you're finally ready to have the baby, um, you're going to, uh, on some business, you're going to be in a, a, a town. And come on, ladies who have had babies, you don't want to be out of town when you're having your baby. It's hard enough, period, more or less not being in the confines of your, your hospital, your home, right? You're going to be, out, oh, and there's not going to be any room for you where you're at, so you're actually going to have the baby out in a barn with a bunch of dung around and a bunch of animals and grossness, as if it's not already hard enough to have a baby, right, ladies? I got you. I'm with you, right? <laughs> oh, and then uh, as soon as you have the baby, it, what's better than just getting home from the hospital to your own bed when you're so tired, moms, right, and you just want to get in your own bed and be comfortable? Oh, as soon as you get home, uh, another angel's going to visit you and tell you part of more of the God dream, you who are highly favored. I'm going to need you to immediately leave, uh, and I, you're going to go for two years to your enemy's country, Egypt, you know, the people that can't stand you and would like to kill you. Yeah, you're going to actually be safer there for two years than you're going to be in your hometown because the king is going to want to kill your son. You who are highly favored, right? Crushing. Now let's take it to a whole nother level, can we? You who are highly favored are going to bury your child. He's not going to bury you. <sighs> Come on, moms and dads. What's, what, what's a worse thought on planet Earth than that? And some of you, let me just pause for a minute. Some of you, that may be your story. Sweet Jesus, I'm so sorry. I, that's not in the notes, but I just got to stop and say, if that's your story, sweet Jesus, have mercy on you, and I'm so sorry. As a dad of four, I, I can't think of anything that would take the, the, the air out of my lungs faster and longer than that. And you who are highly favored, you're not just going to watch him breathe his last. You're going to watch him be brutally beat and tortured ahead of time, then killed unjustly for doing nothing but being sinless, and you're going to watch nine-inch nails pierce his hands and his feet. And you're going to watch the son that you gave birth to and that you raised breathe his last. And then you're going to have to make funeral arrangements. You and a bunch of ladies are going to have to get together a bunch of stuff. And you're going to have to bury this son like no son any wo woman's ever had before. You who are highly favored. You, you see the pattern here, guys? God is trying to be so kind to us today to say, Please, those of you who are going through it, hold on. He has such incredible things that are going to come out of this if you just persevere. That's all he asked. And listen to me. All he wants you to do is bring your faith today. And here's the real good news. Because when we're being crushed, faith kind of feels like rough, right? Yeah. Like it takes energy to, 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 to work your faith muscle, right? Any muscle takes, takes energy. But, but here's Jesus in his kindness. Do you know what he says to us? He says, if you just got a mustard seed, just give me, give me what you got. The greatest command is what? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And every time I used to read that, I'd hear that is, okay, what was the best spiritual season you ever went through in your life? Okay, now compare this to that. Are you loving God with all your heart, soul? Doesn't that make sense? No, no, no. You love God with all the heart you have today. All the strength you have today. All the mind you have today. You just give him what you have, where you're at, and you watch the storehouses of his grace fall upon you. 
There is not enough sin and enough trouble in this world that can outpace the storehouses of the grace of God. Do you understand that? He's just greater than all of this, and he's good. I have tasted and I have seen how good Jesus is, which is why I'm so passionately up here spitting on the front row trying to tell you guys, you hold on. In the name of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus, and I've said my piece, I need to wrap this up, but you hold on. Some of you, you're going through it right now, and in a few minutes, I want to pray over you. And I'm not just praying because it's a religious exercise. When I pray, I believe that God's listening and that God's answering and that God's moving. And I just have so much faith today that you're going to walk out of here with a revived strength, a supernatural energy and power from God to walk out of these doors and go, by the grace of Jesus Christ, we keep moving on. I keep moving on. I keep going for the glory of Jesus Christ because, yes, I'm getting crushed right now, but guess what? That's what sweet wine's made of, and sweet wine, new wine, is on the way. Do not give up. But here's the biggest deal of everything I've said so far. That kind of favor that was on Joseph is yours for the taking, right? There's a synonymous word with favor, it's the spirit, right? Isaiah 61, where the spirit of the Lord is. The, the, the King James says where the favor of the Lord is. Favor and the spirit of God are the same. And when, when you give your life to Jesus, the Bible tells us that now that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Do you understand that? When you give your life to Jesus, that is the gift that is given to you upon salvation is the Holy Spirit of God that literally Jesus was conceived by and that literally Jesus was raised from the dead by. You understand that? You have a spirit living in you, a Holy Spirit that is here to help you, the Bible says. He's here to comfort you. He's here to encourage you. He's here to convict the world of sin. He's here to guide us into all truth. And there's people in here or watching online, you have never by faith received the gift of the Holy Spirit because you received the free gift of salvation that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ and only the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a favor in the crushing that is supernatural that can only come from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I have tasted again and seen the beauty of Jesus. I am just telling you, I am so madly in love with my King of Kings, my Rabbi, my Lord, my Savior, my Father, Emmanuel, the Messiah, our friend, he even calls us. We're his friend. I'm not trying to scare you into getting saved because someone will scare you into getting unsaved if that happens. Right? I'm trying to tell you this is the best news on planet earth. I was 23 years old when I bowed a humble knee to Jesus and asked him to forgive me of my sins. And I can't imagine life without him being the Lord and Savior of my life. And I desperately want that for anybody in here. I am pleading with you today before you walk out of these doors to accept the saving grace and the saving work of Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed right now and every eye closed, this is one of the most important moments that you will have in your lifetime. I promise you this. If you're in here or if you're at home right now watching this and you have never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be the Lord and Savior of your life, and of course you wouldn't understand what all that means. But that doesn't matter because right now you feel the Holy Spirit of God wooing you and compelling you to say, yes, Jesus, I don't even fully know all of this, but I want it. And I know like every other human, I'm a sinner and I need salvation from this, from my flaws, from my brokenness, from my mistakes, from my failures, from the pain that I've caused people. I need salvation from that. 
If that's you right now, would you by faith proudly, and we're going to celebrate with you because we've all done it too, would you raise your hand right now? We just want to know. We want to pray for you. If that's you, just put it up. Put it up. Anyone in here? I, might, I don't know. My glasses don't go out that far, but if you're here, we're going to pray for you. If it, you're at home, we're going to pray for you. Jesus, if anyone in here, and I didn't see any hands, but if anyone in here is receiving you by faith right now, we just pray your Holy Spirit would fill them to overflowing with streams of living water. We pray in the name of Jesus that your power would be so beautiful. Holy Spirit, we love you and we welcome you and we ask that you would be doing miracles right now. And secondly, I want to ask this, if you're in here and it's just your season, it's your time right now and you're saying, I am in a season of crushing for whatever personal reason it is, would you just go ahead and would you boldly raise your hand proudly and keep it up? Because I I want us to, to be reminded that this is why we're the church. Keep them up, keep them up. My hand for the last three years would have been up on this one and, and, and it is up. I'm just with you. I just feel this. We, the church, are with you. First of all, I just, before we pray for you, I want to celebrate everyone who's hands down. Praise God. Enjoy this season. Savor this season. It is a gift from God. Savor it. We celebrate that with you. But can we do this, especially if your hands are down right now and you're not sitting under the crushing right now? Can you take it upon yourselves as the body of Christ to start fighting for these people with their hands up? Would you keep your hands up? And those of you who don't have your hands up, would you look around and see what our brothers and sisters right now, they need us. And we call on the church to pray when it is time to pray. And Jesus starts to heal. I'm telling you, everyone with your hands up, if you guys will look at me, look at the whites of my eyes, because I mean this with every ounce of conviction I have. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. Greater is he who is in the world than he that is in the world. God is doing some of his most beautiful work right now in your heart and your mind. And I know that's hard to believe and I know that's hard to hang on to, but I am just pleading on behalf of our Savior, keep holding on. That's what Jesus is saying right now. You keep holding on. You keep fighting that good fight. And you watch the grace of God pour into you right now. You you in the blue shirt with your hand up. You watch. I feel this when I saw you. You watch the grace of God in this next season of life come upon you. And you never forget it because it's about his purpose and his kindness flowing through you. Keep your hands up. I just want to remind you that God's mercies are brand new this morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. That's the God we serve. You are going to have a testimony and you are going to have a story. And in that pain, God is going to bring people in your pathway experiencing what you have. And you are going to be a light that you have prayed to be to this world. And you are going to feel the grace and the joy and the love of Jesus because he is using you. Because you fought through the crushing and now sweet wine is coming out in the name of Jesus. So if you guys will stand, I'm going to pray. I've more than said my piece. Sorry, I get a little excited, but I came ready this morning for you guys. Me and the Lord have been speaking a lot this week about you guys. And I love and appreciate you guys. So I'm not going to pray my own words. I'm just going to pray the blessing of God from Scripture. Lord, I pray as we walk out of these doors that you would bless everyone here. God, that you would keep them in the grip of your grace. That you would cause your face to shine all over them. God, I pray that you'd be radically gracious to everybody in this room and that you would turn your countenance towards us and we walk out of these doors with the peace that passes understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And all my friends said, love you guys.